And welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we dig in deep to analyze the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. I'm Andy Nelson from thenextreel.com. And I'm Pete Wright, also from The Next Reel. And back with us, we have J.J. Yeager, also from The Next Reel. Hey, J.J. Hi, y'all. Happy to be back. Thank you for dropping in again. We are, of course, back talking about John Favreau's 2008 film, Iron Man. On today's show, Minute 41 starts with the end of a literal firefight and ends with the start of a long journey through the Afghani desert. I don't remember this minute. Again, it's it's really an interesting thing when you watch these things minute by minute. I don't remember it taking this long, 41 minutes, to achieve the sort of climax of this first major section, right? I just, it, it, it feels yeah. like it's taken forever to get here. I only remember it is like, oh, <laughs> that, that, you remember? That's a tribute. No, it totally is. That's a tribute is. to the movie. It totally is, because it feels it like it takes about 15 minutes to get through the early Iron Man suit, and then we move on to the to new shiny. Uh, but 41 minutes, that's a that devotes a lot right. to this part of the character. But it is pretty accurate as far as the screenplay structure and everything. And, and you know, he had that transition earlier on where he, he made his decision, and that kind of gave us the crux for the turn that we were going to have in Act 1 that would take us into Act 2. And this is really, we're at pretty much the end of Act 1 here. I, I think in the next minute we'll really see the official end of right. Act 1, and we'll jump into Act 2. And you know that that seems to be pretty uh, pretty accurate as far as screenplay storytelling. Where you know now we've we've spent forty minutes here. Now we're going to spend the next forty minutes or so in Act Two, and then forty minutes in Act sure. Three. I mean, it's usually Act One and Three are a little shorter, but in the end, it fits. Yeah, you know, it, it works for what we're doing here. And it's an explosive minute. <laughs> yes. It's all action for sure. It is. It reminds us, isn't that palladium useful? I'm sure that has come into play. <laughs> <laughs> has to be. Has to be. I look at our character. We've got Iron Man, the Mark I suit in the foreground here, getting ready to take off. And I wonder how much of this is Robert Downey Jr. Or are we seeing any of him? And is it just Mike Justice, who he was the Iron Man stunt double? And is it all Mike Justice in this one little moment here? Oh, I think so. Yeah. It's got to be. Yeah, I would think so. And I, I, I think most of the flame is probably CG. I think there's probably a few elements of real flame that they have on set here. But I certainly feel like they've really amped this up as far as building this this world of flame that, yeah. that Iron Man is immersed in. And then, of course, when he takes off, you get that wide shot of this this little valley, this bowl in the mountains that the terrorists in, and we see just this huge, huge row after row of explosions ripping through all of it. And then, of course, we get the escape of the Mark One suit. Which is great because you have all these little, like, fireball tendrils that are reaching out from that explosion, right? Right around yeah, 12, awesome. 13, 14. And, and so it's a, it's a nice visual trick when his suit comes out of it and looks just like another one of those tendrils that... that 15 until you see this one goes much higher and then they cut to the close-up in the emerging from the flame uh in that sort in of way, column yeah. of of fire is just really beautiful it's a fantastic little bit and I, I like exactly what you're saying about the little tendrils of fire and how he just feels like he's one of them and yeah it's it's a nice little moment that that you have here 
before it doesn't work <laughs> for him anymore. Well, and is and is brilliantly expressed through the music, right? Because you get the great music cue with the explosion and the takeoff, and he's zipping through until, and it's really short, but it's got this sort of like power, power riff, power bass, like rock thing that they're putting in there, and then all of a sudden it's gone as he loses control. Yeah, this is the end of the track Fireman from the soundtrack that Ramin Jawadi composed. And yeah, you get that great moment where you get, like you just said, the fantastic Iron Man theme kind of kicking in as you see him rising through the flames. And this is something that I think John Favreau does quite a bit in his storytelling in this film and his other films, where he gives you this kind of triumphant, great moment that just everything seems so cool. And then all of a sudden, it kind of has this shift like, you know what, it's it's not he's not that cool of a guy as right. everything all of a sudden goes almost silly, like you get almost a slide whistle as he's falling into the yeah. ground. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think perhaps that's there just to remind us that, you know, this is still a comic book movie. He can fall to the ground and not get hurt. He's not going to die right now. Because, I mean, let's be honest, if you're in a metal suit and you're falling from the height that he's at into the ground, oh, you're going to be dead. crushed and dead. You are absolutely <laughs> putting in a can. Yes. That's what that is. Completely dead. Yeah. Also, he goes headfirst into the sand. But as we switch and we have the great sort of approach motion control shot uh, leading up to him, he's on his feet into the sand. So yeah, that's right. Like know, he's bathing. All done for, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, completely illogical. Or on a floaty. He's on a sand floaty. He's on a sand floaty. It's, it's still a nice <laughs> expression of the joke, right? As we get to as he's ripping right. stuff off of him and he says, you know, not bad because we all know what's coming next. We all know that he's going back to the workshop somehow. And, yeah, and so it's right. a nice little joke. And, and isn't it a funny expression or it's a it's kind of a nice expression of how well they end up collecting directors and writers who are talented in just this regard, being able to give us that kind of dramatic setup and pay it off in a rewarding joke. Right. Taika Waititi and Joss oh, Whedon. Yeah. And I mean, these are all these guys who who have great experience doing exactly what Favreau is doing here. That's very true. It's uh, it is something that they've done because the comics aren't necessarily comedy. I mean, there might be a funny moment here and then in the comics, but it's not I wouldn't go to say that any of these comics that the that any of these films are based on are really like comedy yeah. reads. And that is certainly something that they have infused in them, which I think works really well when you're trying to attract the 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 much larger market of an audience right oh absolutely I, and that was you know you obviously that strategic kind of tone change I, i'd say is centrally responsible to the popularity of the universe and that's why this as the first movie in the universe is so wonderfully written and perfectly cast because you have that subtle transition of someone who can give you that i don't even know if this is the most appropriate word to describe it, but wry humor alongside the serious action i don't think it's the best example of that we get so much more you bring up taika watiti for you know uh, ragnarok or you think about maybe the guardians of the galaxy series they continue to kind of grow in this excellence but this was the great way to start it off with this subtle performance by Robert Downey Jr. that feeds into this great comedy and action and drama all in one. It's it's what we needed from an action comic movie. Absolutely. It's done really well. In the comics, speaking of the comics, the end of the first issue when Tony gets into the Mark I suit 
it's kind of interesting because he escapes from the the villain's clutches. And and again, these are the Reds, as they're called in the comics. And Wang Chu is the leader of them. Wang Chu has this thing where he's like, if you can defeat Wang Chu, you can get your village back or something like that. And so mm. in the courtyard, you have Wang Chu, who has defeated yet another villager who has stepped forward. And then, of course, Tony comes in. And it's funny because he's dressed in a, in a trench coat and a hat as if he's disguising himself at this point. And, <laughs> and he calls Wang Chu a coward. And Wang Chu says, who dares speak thus to Wang Chu? Show yourself. Let me see the face of the one I am about to destroy. And then Tony says, as you wish, tyrant, first I shall remove my clothes. <laughs> and then Wang Chu just wow. looks at him and says, why do you stare, Wang Chu? What is wrong? Have you never seen an Iron Man before? <laughs> <laughs> and then Wang Chu, you, you are not human. You are a machine. And you are a heartless man of evil who is about to pay for his misdeeds. That sounds like comic book writing for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Iron Man. Iron Man picks him up, and he does the comic book move where he spins him over his head so fast that that Wang Chu is just like a series of like little lines and turns into a propeller. Over. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> and then he throws him across the the way, and basically, the guards try to shoot at him, and and he beats the guards and basically beats everybody. But it's it's pretty much the end of Wang Chu because he. As as Tony escapes, he lays down some uh, a thin stream of oil and and lights it a, a flame and then blows sure. Wang Chu's entire complex up, killing them all. Wow. And uh, that's kind of the end. And it's funny because the end of that issue, he dons the uh, trench coat and hat again as he walks away through the forest. That is fantastic. <laughs> okay. And you know that I think is an element that would have improved the movie in this sequence. Had had he actually tried to <laughs> escape with a with a bowler and a trench coat over his his Mark One suit, it yeah. would have been so fantastic. Uh, not Tony here. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> not me, not me. Oh, and it would have been great. We have that last moment in the minute here where he's wandering through the sands, which, you know, it's one of those shots that's so reminiscent of the characters lost in the desert, whether it's like a Lawrence of Arabia yeah. moment or National Lampoon's vacation when Chevy yeah. Chase is wandering through the desert. It would have been just that much greater if he was wearing that trench coat. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Walking through the desert. Totally. Yeah. The sand dunes that we're in, it's the Olancha sand dunes. A lot of these exteriors have all been near Lone Pine in California. These sand dunes are northwest of the town of Olancha, which is about a half, half hour south of Lone Pine. So we're still in the same area here. Yeah. And when they were filming, it was extremely windy. They were filming uh, April 11th and 12th, 2007, and they had winds up to 50 miles an hour while they were what? out here and they all had to work out there with goggles Oof. on the, they said that the winds were so strong that it was flipping semis on the nearby highway what? in fact oh, one of the brutal. one of the military helicopters actually because of the traffic jam had to go land by the highway to pick up Terrence Howard because he couldn't get to set and bring <laughs> him bring him up there <laughs> that's amazing yeah so it's uh, it's crazy, but it, you know the the landscape works so nice, and you get the the touch of the mountain range in the background, and it's it's a beautiful location. It works really well in context of uh, what we need for the story here. Very much. Well, so. it, it doesn't agree. it doesn't look composited at all, which is kind of a relief. You know, when you look at it frame by frame, it actually looks like it's a real place. They're actually there. 
I had said when we were first talking about this area way back in our first couple of minutes as we were looking at the mountain range that I was dubious about the snow at the tops of the mountains. But the more I see these shots, the more I'm just convinced that, you know what, I think that these mountains are tall enough. Uh, You know, it's, it's early enough in the year still where... Maybe the snow still is up on the top of the peaks up there. I think so too. So when you were dubious, you thought they were they added it. Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought because of the mm-hmm. way that the shots looked in some of our earlier minutes, I, I just it didn't seem like it was real snow. But I'm more and more convinced that I was wrong. It seems like a weird thing to add. It, it did, but at the same time, I, I just I don't know. I felt like if in my mind, Afghanistan. It just didn't seem like it it fit with kind of the California mountains. And so I don't, I don't sure. know. I just felt like it was something that they were throwing in there. But well, and judging by I just how much of these movies are composited anyway, like it's it's not it, it wouldn't be a stretch, I think, to touch up the landscape. Yeah, it wouldn't be the first time. Right. I mean, I, I think they're, you know, when they're going to be adding a lot of, of stuff in, in little places just to just to make it different. I mean, I inevitably they're probably covering up power lines and uh, signs and things like that. So, you know, it's one of those things where sometimes I think, oh, you know what, let's just amplify that a little bit. Yeah. In the script, Tony, in addition to his getting away and and getting shot at and attacked, he ends up with a bullet wound, which we never see here. But when he gets out of the sand, it says he's torn up clutching a bullet wound. He falls getting up again and keeps moving. Interesting. uh, I thought that was an interesting little ad that he actually... It was kind of nice evidence that the Mark I suit wasn't as impervious and that a bullet did manage to slip through the cracks. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that is interesting because in all of the action that we have, well, certainly the action so far, he's not injured, right? He's not with a, by a bullet, right? It's all shrapnel. It's all being just jarring, getting hit, getting thrown. Uh, but with all the gunfire going on, he's not, he's never shot, Right. I don't think yeah, I think we no. can say for the we don't see it. Re- yeah. had we seen the rest of the movie, we would know, but we haven't. So we don't <laughs> we do you know. know from the last last couple of minutes as he's as he's in this whole firefight. I mean, they're hitting elements of his suit right. that are kind of like knocking him down where his leg all of a sudden isn't functioning as well as it's right. supposed to be. Things like that. So you, you get this sense that the suit is struggling. The suit is is having these issues, but never did I ever get a sense that that a bullet sneaks through. Would that have improved things for you? Had they not taken that out of the script? Had they shot him being shot? I think it would have been a very interesting thing to throw in there. I don't think I would have had a problem with it, actually. But it it may have taken just a little too much time for them to piece together in the right way in the same amount of storytelling time yeah. to actually pull it off. So maybe it was just one of those things that where they're like, you know, let's let's not delve into that. We don't necessarily need to go there. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know if I miss it, but I, I think it would have been a nice ad. Hmm. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see in coming minutes, like whether or not they, he, you know, he was injured more seriously. Uh, you know, I'm, I, I don't know it, it, just how well you have to cover that in, in coming minutes and see just how well they demonstrate the fallibility of the Mark one. Yeah. Yeah. Whether that's key, key to where the story goes for sure. Yeah. Right. It's going to be an interesting element to explore, but also I, I think it's a nice, if it, if it's there, it's just a nice element to show 
his mindset for when he builds the Mark II and things that he is going to be thinking about to protect himself. Sure, sure. Yeah. Exactly. And Absolutely. and that's one reason I would make the case that it's useful for him to be more injured in right. the fall, in the suit. Like it just yeah. you can tell this is what keeps his this character moving forward is fixing things that are broken. Yeah, I'm just looking at when he's first in the sand and he's taking his helmet off with his hand it, like nothing his moving both arms nothing seems like oh yeah like he was shot but it is one of those things where that right shoulder you know, is adrenaline covered yeah uh, but the adrenaline yeah. of the whole thing you know i i think it, it i think it could very well be one of those things that it's in there but it's not something that they're feeling the need to make completely obvious yeah. to us it's just it's just an element of the world building this is something that happened and something that Tony's dealing with. Yeah, sure. He's compromised. Yeah. Well, and you bring up that scene. I think, you know, we've got what, 30, it's a 33 second motion control run up to Tony's landing spot. I think it's really a beautifully shot scene. I, I wonder how they shot it. I, I I looked through all the IMDb credits looking for something that was particularly sort of identifying about how the, what sort of tech they would use to actually make that shot, whether if it was a suspended camera, whether if it was a steady cam or whatnot, it makes some interesting moves as you pass through the debris as you're approaching him. And then the camera actually sort of uh, what we would call in flying cameras, it Z's up, it moves up and then tilts down to show Tony looking down on him, which I think is a great move and leads me to believe that a steady cam possibly couldn't have achieved the shot. So I'm really interested to see how they did it. They did have some Libra head technicians on the on the shoot which means that there could possibly be a flying camera there whether it was suspended by cables or on some sort of crane i'm not exactly sure but i think it's it's actually really beautifully shot so low to the ground and moving up to him like that 33 seconds i think it's it's a great shot it, it moves a little bit when it gets to him to get him in frame it, it isn't completely steady through that but i think it's really well executed and really fun to look at i, I love shots like that when they put them in these kind of movies it makes it feel nice and organic. What is the what are the distance considerations? Like when you talk about the different technologies, are there limitations for how far you could make that fly smoothly so close to the ground and then Z up? Yeah, when you say smoothly, that's where the where you really start the yeah. the, the further distance you have and the and the further your points are, right? So if you think about the points, if you're suspending it from wires, the points are the mm -hmm. sort of the X that you set up that gives you the length that you can go distance-wise. The further they are, the less easy it is control to to control in terms of keeping it steady. Uh, mm -hmm. But, you know, we do these types of shots in football stadiums. So definitely the ground that we're covering in this shot is significantly less than anything that's done that you see in anything you watch on NFL Sunday, for example. So um, right. definitely possible. Um, but it, it the way it's looking and the way that you get that full field when you're wide, when the shot starts at second 27, it leads me to believe that it might have been shot with a crane a crane that was placed behind the shot and then extended out as you got closer. Difficult to know, though, without uh, having more information about the production. I'm actually looking at the behind the scenes Love the it. making of right now. What does it and show? They do have a shot of it on a crane. It is a big crane arm that looks like it's getting ready to extend out. And I think because of the amount of wind that they talked yeah. about having while they're out here, the up to 50 mile an hour winds, they actually, and this is something I've never seen before, they have cables attached to the crane going both left and right. And then I, I can't see what's at the end of it, but I imagine it's people or something that are manning those to keep it stable yeah. so that the wind isn't wobbling the crane as it's uh, getting the shot. Well, and the Libra head in itself, what that is, is that's the stabilization within the camera. So the head is the actual ball 
ball that you see at the end of the crane. Mm-hmm. And so there are additional moving motors within the Libra head that are trying to stabilize the camera itself on the edge of there. But what I would imagine, and I'm not seeing what you're seeing, Andy, but what I would ma- imagine is those cables with those high winds are necessary to hold all of the contraption of the crane itself in place so you don't get that sort of external relative motion of the camera as it's moving forward. And then the Libra head's just working really, really hard. Within within yeah. the inside of that ball, yeah. Right. Fascinating. It's really interesting to just kind of get this perspective of how they were doing it. And I know they, they I mean, obviously, they're getting a wide variety of shots. They're going to get some off of sticks. They're going to get a bunch of other different uh, ways. And I know that Favreau actually said when he was doing this that they, they had to get a number of the shots on the sticks because they couldn't use the crane for quite a bit of the shots because of the amount of wind. And in fact, the photo, I, I just sent it over to you, JJ, but you actually see Maddie Libatique on the camera off the sticks and the crane is just kind of sitting there. Yeah. So he's getting a shot from the sticks of the scene. Yeah, I see it now. That's really interesting what they're setting up there. Yeah. Yeah. And then the shot that they actually used was that dude there who shot it on his iPhone. Crazy. It's <laughs> <laughs> just crazy. <laughs> the things you can do with technology these days. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Who needs a big fancy Libra head? <laughs> hey Siri, give me a motion control shot. <laughs> Man, those cables, those that's that it must have been enormously frustrating for everyone involved. Yeah, with the amount of wind and everything yeah. they're dealing with. I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Well, do you guys have anything else for this minute? That's it for me. That was good stuff. That was that was meat. That was my big one. Beautiful shot. Yeah, gorgeous. Some fantastic stuff that they're getting here. Uh, well, thank you guys both for coming back and joining joining us on the show here. JJ, where can people find you again? Well, go to thenextreel.com because we talk about all of our family of uh, shows there. The two that I'm most often involved in are the film board. We record that once a month where we do a movie that just comes out in theaters and then we spoil it for you right away and the week following. And then also we have a show called Trailer Rewind. Myself and Steve Sarmento are the regulars on that one where we look at shows, movies that are on streaming services like Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime that you may have missed in the theaters that could be a good bet to pick up if you have a great Netflix and chill night plan. So uh, check out those. Those are both monthly shows that we can that you can find information about on thenextreel.com. Pete, thanks again for coming back and joining me here. My pleasure. Anytime. And ditto to JJ. Go listen to all of his shows. Yay! Well, that's it for today's show, everybody. Thanks again for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to the show for free at marvelmovieminute.com. Join us over in our Discord chat room and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Next Reel. And if you like what we do and you want to support us and get some cool stuff, why don't you become a patron over at patreon.com slash the next reel until next time, true believers. True believers.